Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The news never stops. Life goes on around town and around the world. You need a talk show that keeps track of it. A program with bold opinions that's always open to your views. That is this show. Welcome to the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. Are you ready? Are you ready for the weekend? Are you ready for the Texas primary? Are you ready for Super Tuesday and all the results that await us? Are you ready for the last day of early voting? That is today. Are you ready to find out just what the next political twists and turns are? Are you ready for our 8 o'clock hour where we'll take a little deep dive into the competing visits to the border by Trump and Biden? Are you ready for all of these things? Are you ready to declare with me? That it's Friday. Wow! I feel good. I feel good. Ow! I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. You want me to say I feel good? I feel good. I feel good. I would not. So good. So good. I got a year. Number of years between Little Eva and the original and this sweet grand funk remake. Twelve. Number of years since this came out. Fifty. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the Mark Davis Show, making everybody feel old. Oh my gosh, here's the deal. This is from the Grand Funk album Shining On, which had a wonderful title track in that record and uh Carry Me Through and Please Me. Not a lot of hits. I mean, it's it's uh, uh that 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 one, of course, was on the radio all over the place. But uh 50 years ago this week, the release of the uh, sh- of the Grand Funk album Shining On. So so there you go. So there you go. Welcome, welcome back as the case may be 866-660-5759 gauging what your thoughts are on how a number of things are going to go. The Texas primaries, the Super Tuesday results. I mean, it's going to be a, a total Trump sweep. So, so let's let's get an advanced jump on things you think will happen next week. Will Wednesday morning, or maybe even late Tuesday night if it's brutal enough, I I don't know, Will will we then be done with this continuing ridiculous misadventure of Nikki Haley? Or will we be tortured by her continuing irrelevant candidacy? It's relevant only in one way for any path forward for her, and irrelevant is a term I use loosely, and that is if she is just stoking the fires to run one of these stupid, non-ideological, no-labels-style, doomed-to-fail campaigns, where I don't even know if she's going to be able to get on the ballot. If RFK Jr. has been running forever, you know, can't even get on the ballot. This this whole and this no labels outfit, God love them. 
they 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 just don't know what they 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 they're con- when I say confused, well I I mean confused works. They're not liberal enough to be Democrats, not conservative enough to be Republicans. But here's what you got to do. The dirty little secret is that this whole two-party system thing is something that most people are satisfied with. Most people are, most liberals are just fine, vast majority of liberals are just fine hanging in today's Democrat Party. Are there some who are just uh, you know, nostalgic when we used to have Democrats like like you know Kennedy and and Scoop Jackson, and sure, those days are gone, but all other things being equal, they'll go ahead and happily vote for Biden. And most, most conservatives are good at being Republicans. Now, here's especially since the Republican Party has been redefined, reshaped by bold populist flavors uh, in, in the Trump era. So the number of people who say a pox on both your houses, those folks can be found. I hear from y'all. I know you exist. And and I know that that's where the thirst comes from at times. Oh, we need a third party. We need another party to go another way. No, we, we, we really, really don't. If at some point there's an appetite that grows, and you remember famously 1992, Ross Perot in a less ideological race run by either Bush or Clinton, just kind of an, I'm a businessman. Let me put the hood up. Can I finish? Can I finish? I know that's not even Perot. It's Dana Carvey doing Perot. Uh, it got 19%, a stunning 19% of, of the popular vote. That's crazy. It's unheard of. It's almost one vote in five that wanted neither Bush nor Clinton. That pro-business stance was a complete um, carve-out of the Bush vote. Ross Perot gave us Clinton. So, you know, there's that. Um if you do get an RFK Jr. or a Nikki Haley running a no-labels race in a key state, who does she – I mean, does if, if RFK Jr. Borrows a, little, borrows a little more from – or one would say steals, perhaps. Uh, it's not a steal. It's, you know, if, if you vote for somebody, you vote for somebody. If, if RFK Jr. hurts Biden more than he hurts Trump, Nikki Haley would deny Trump votes that because with with without her and this is going to be my main science project for the next few months and I had to do a couple of uh, petri dish examples of that this past week where people just can't uh, they can't take themselves off of that uh, they can't cut themselves free of that Nikki Haley shackle even when it's obvious she's not going to be the nominee because they just for some reason they, there's some shred of conservatism left in them some shred of republicanism and they just miss the days of Mitt Romney and they miss the days of John McCain and they miss the days of Paul Ryan and all those go along to get along it's just no yeah, those those days are done those days are done so you have it's a time to choose it's a time to decide you got to figure out what you want to do is another term of Biden okay with you and if it's not then you got to back Trump period period Paragraph. And if you can't do that, can't get over yourself and go ahead and board the Trump train for 2024, then the second Biden term is on you. And that's the exercise we got to go through. And Texas, less so because Trump's going to win Texas. You can do whatever you want. Vote for Mickey Mouse if you want. Trump's going to win Texas. But margins do matter and and turnout does matter. And obviously down ballot, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens for, for Austin in 
November. So let's talk about Austin for a minute. Uh, on the Channel 5 show, every weekend you got Inside Texas Politics on Channel 8. you got Lone Star Politics on Channel 5. Uh, one of the best in the biz, Jack Fink, uh, is doing a thing at like 7.30 on Sunday mornings in the midst of the CBS 11 uh, news uh, program, and, and he's always great. But this uh, is Channel 5's Phil Prezan talking to Glenn Rod. He talks to Glenn Rogers and then Mike Olcott. This is out in House District 60, and this is kind of this is one of the textbook dichotomies of all the because in Glenn Rogers, you have a guy who's voted right, voted well, done well on a number of things. But <laughs> here's the big but, as Pee Wee used to say. Um voted for Paxton impeachment for many conservatives. And voted against school choice. The double whammy. Can he survive that? Um, Mike Olcott is the challenger, endorsed by Paxton and Abbott. And here's I'm the guy who always tells you it's hard to beat incumbents because it is. You've got to create. What do you have to create? We just did it last hour now. <laughs> we got to create a desire to fire the incumbent. Is there a desire in House District 60, which starts just west of Fort Worth and it goes like straight line further out west, God's country, beautiful territory. Uh, is there a desire to fire Glenn Rogers? I don't know. Uh, if there is, Mike Olcott will win. If not, then he won't. Uh, it'll be a lot closer than Glenn would have faced otherwise. And, and in fact, as I as I get ready to play a little bit of audio from this, from the conversations with both of these gentlemen, uh, there will be races where the Paxton endorsement did not result in a win because incumbents are hard to beat. There will be races where the Trump endorsement did not result in a win because incumbents are hard to beat and, uh, and and these endorsements are coming in on behalf of challengers. In those races, there will be people who will say, oh, the, the Paxton endorsement uh, was of no value or the Trump endorsement was of no value. That is just mathematically untrue because none of the Trump endorsements are, are there's no assessment of the Trump endorsements or the Paxton endorsements that, that says they're going to bat a thousand. Now, people like to endorse folks who they think are going to win, but sometimes you just kind of roll the dice and see what you can do. But in every single one of these Paxton and Trump endorsements, these are races that will be closer than they otherwise would have been. Uh, and if Glenn Rogers prevails, he survives in District 60, that will be the case here as well. If Mike Olcott beats him, well, that's, uh, that, that's a feather in the cap of the Paxton endorsement because uh, Glenn Rogers was a, a Ken Paxton impeachment accomplice. These folks don't like being reminded of that. What they tend to do is they tend to, to identify uh, real conservatives, bold conservatives, folks who like Attorney General Paxton, who like Trump, who like, uh, who don't like Dade Phelan and don't want, oh, oh, dude, here's something we got to do, maybe even today. Um, do you know how much gambling money is uh, is involved in a whole lot of this? Dade Phelan and his backers and a lot of these, these Phelan toadies are all about casino gambling in Texas. This is poison. I'm going to fight this with every breath I have. You do not want casinos in Texas. The negatives far outweigh the positives. And just no, no, hell no, excuse me. And the money, the sands money, and Cuban's got his nose up the butt of the of the sand. I love Cubes. I love Mark Cuban. Uh, big Mavs game against the Celtics tonight. Root for them. Um, but... Pff, pff, 
this, this, this dirty money. It's not good for society. And, 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 on, and I feel more this way than I did 10, 15 years ago because we had, and now, now it's on your stupid phone, draft Kings, you know, snot bets, all kind of whatever, all these, all these apps of various things. Uh, there was actually a, a parody on S, a, a rare, funny moment on SNL a parody of, of an app where you can bet on uh, what's the over-under on your buddy and who, when he'll destroy his life with bad betting. You know, how will he go? What method will he take to take himself out? What will he lose first, his wife or his house? It's all there for you. Uh, and because, because we've got a generation of stupid, weak-willed young men that we have raised with bad parenting and bad role models and weed is good and gambling is good and all the messaging that we used to tell, that we used to raise our sons with is, is just being eroded by the moment. And the, and the generation of, of, of approaching young men is not, this is not 20 years ago and it sure as shooting is not 40 or 60 years ago. And so for that reason, the weaknesses and the, and the gluttony and the bad uh, radar and bad uh, beacons of society is just another reason you do not want casinos in Texas. Anyway, though, um, Glenn Rogers first. I think this race is about who most wants to represent their district. Mm. And I think that's really important. Are you representing your district and the things that are needed here? Or are you representing uh, some billionaire ide- ideologues? In my- yeah, that is a total attack on the, on the backers of Michael. Listen, hey, guess shocker, rich people are involved in politics. Rich people are involved in politics. And there's some big, there's big, big money behind the people who are lying through their teeth about Brandon Gill. And there's big, big money in some of the folks who are offering up real conservatives to some of the uh, uh, Dade feeling moderates. So shocker, there's big money. So rather than honor and show respect for, or at least acknowledgement of, the, the the more conservative voters who will back Mike Olcott in 60, it's, it's all about, it's, it's, it's billionaires. So you're not real people, you're just uh, doing the bidding of billionaires. They have their own interests that aren't the interests of this district. Tell really? me more about that. So uh, feel free to name names, and so you think that, uh, of who's, uh, who's well, supporting Olcott? Uh-huh. Certainly, I mean, the two most powerful political figures in Texas are Ferris Wilkes and Tim Dunn. No one cares about Ferris Wilkes and Tim Dunn. No one. No one. Those names are unknown to vast number. What they care about is policies. Is Dade, does Dade feel a need to be speaker? Did Ken Paxton need to be impeached? Do we need school choice? That is what people care. In 60, in 60, if people want school choice, and and don't think Dade Phelan is, is good at speaker and didn't want Paxton impeached, then Glenn Rogers is about to lose. If they feel the other way on those issues, then Glenn Rogers is about to, be, to win. And it's not about Wilkes and Dunn or any other billionaires. Stop it. And if you look at organizations like Defend Texas Liberty that have, that have backed my opponent, they, they supplied 90% of the funding for that organization. Yeah, darn right they did because they are staunch conservatives being smeared, smeared. By, at least Glenn's not going to drop uh, the, the that N-word, Nazi, as Jill Dutton does in her smears of, uh, of Brent money. And and uh, each of my races, I've run against the same funding, uh, the the, uh, the Wilkinson Dunn. Mm-hmm. I run in all three of my races the same funders. What do you think are the biggest policy differences uh, between you and Mr. Alcott? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the first uh, first one would be education. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure uh, is because Mike Alcott thinks you ought to have school choice. 
Mike Alcott uh, supports defunding our public schools. He's for privatization. That's a total, that is a total Democrat index card. That is a liberal index card against school choice. And for public schools, and I'm a huge supporter of public schools. Uh, I believe that. Seeking to keep the monopoly and deny you school choice. They're the backbone of our communities. I know they're the backbone of our communities. And most of our smaller communities, they're actually the leading employer. And uh, people are moving to Parker County uh, specifically, it's not as a rule anymore, but they're moving here for our great public schools. So that is uh, a very important uh, criteria for me. This is a school choice voucher issue. Uh, certainly, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah and, and which we, he oppo- which Glenn Rogers opposes. Just so you know, we voted to strip the voucher language off of HB one, mm-hmm. and uh, we never did have the opportunity to vote on teacher pay raises and funding for school security. Uh, let's drill down on. on- on that, just so I understand what your position is, are you um, somebody who says no school choice vouchers at all, ever, or would you be a supportive of, I guess, you know, a, a smaller, tailored program to special needs or to anything? I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't support a small voucher because once the camel's nose is under the tent, yeah. then it's oh gonna- yeah, you, you start giving families choices and things get really crazy. All right, now listen. If you're on board for this, then Glenn is your guy. If not, Mike Olcott is your guy. And let's play a little of Mike in the next uh, half hour. But we're also going to have a chat with Congressman Keith Self and a number of other things coming up. So stick around. Much more to come. Uh, Mark Davis, 825. All right. Let us roll into news with Nikki Whaley here in about 60 seconds. On the other side of that, a visit with Congressman Keith Self, Trump and Biden at the border. How did that work out and other congressional things? We've kicked the can a little bit down the road, averting the government shutdowns, et cetera, et cetera. Brief little mini history lesson. God bless y'all. I love y'all on the text line. It's, hey, Mark, Perot didn't uh, didn't give us Clinton. It was George H.W. Bush's fault for turning on us on the No New Taxes Pledge. Absolutely. Read my lips. No new taxes. And he went back on that. However, if Perot doesn't doesn't run, Bush 41 wins anyway. Um, Bill Clinton got 44, got 45 million votes. Bush 41 got 39 million. Ross Perot got nearly 20 million votes, the vast majority of whom would have gone to Bush without Perot. Bush would have won Missouri. He would have won Iowa. He would have won would have won Ohio. Perot was the difference there. Then again, don't go back on your promises. But even with that stain, Bush would have beaten Clinton. But alas, that's on the list of things we can't do anything about. Let's talk about some things we can do something about with Congressman Keith Self. He's next. Right after we visit the newsroom, here's Nikki Whaley. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body liner. A little something festive as the weather gets warm again for the weekend. A little Harry Belafonte jump in the line. Harry Belafonte, born this date, 1927, and only passed away this past week. That was a long life. Lots of activism I did not align with, but uh, quite the career. All right, let's talk about what we align with and what we don't. Yesterday, competing visits to the border by, I, I say competing, and I'm really being generous because it was no competition. Trump went to Eagle Pass, which is an issue. 
Biden in the safe uh, confines of Brownsville. Congressman Keith Self has made that trip and joins us on that issue and many, many more out of the 3rd Congressional District. Welcome, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well, Mark. I wish I was in D.C. voting on multiple appropriations bills, but I'm not. But <laughs> passed another. Are, as you know, well, let, let's let's dive into that before we even do uh, border battles. Uh, what exactly happened? We were staring down the barrel of, of a shutdown and, and Speaker Johnson had some things that he wanted to do. We went and met with the president, had border as a priority, lots of things. But and once again, it looks like we have kind of a temporary delay before we get to some obvious ultimate questions we have to answer. So what did happen this past week? Well, we passed a laddered CR that uh, will kick the can down the road a very short period of time. Uh, there was nothing uh, for the border in it. There was no policy. There, there, so we did nothing for the border. Ninety-seven Republicans voted against it. And uh, that continues to grow <clears throat> the conservative movement in Congress. But, uh, but frankly, uh, we have got to get a handle on the debt and the border. Those are the two existential threats facing our country today. And it did nothing for either of them. In fact, it continued the Pelosi-Schumer-Biden policy uh, spending uh, spending levels that we saw back in Pelosi's era. In his visit to the border, President Biden, it was weird. It was almost a kind of an outreach to President Trump, although it wasn't. We know it was basically, hey, work with me here. You know full well that this uh, this border package that uh, that Trump opposed and that a lot of Republicans opposed, that Speaker Johnson opposed, you know it's the strongest, most wonderful thing we've had in years, so why not just work with me here? What's the best answer to that? Well, we passed the strongest border bill in history several months ago, like five or six months ago. It was called H.R. 2, and uh, it still sits on Schumer's desk. So the House has done its job on the border. Schumer needs to take it up, get it to the president. The president wants to do something, pass H.R. 2. That's a start. Uh, But frankly, uh, we're going to see President Biden try to take control of the border because he sees an election coming up, and he is getting hammered. On the border, I mean, literally hammered. What's he? Thirty-eight percent now, and, and a lot of it is the border. We see it across the nation. So he's trying to claw back some something on the border, but he cannot until they t- take up HR two. But okay, which is well, you're you're totally right about. But there are things in HR two that that no Democrat is going to back. It, it actually creates a, a a proper definition for asylum that's going to make it impossible for continuing waves of millions of people to come in and be turned into Democrat voters. Uh, it, it has work permit and legal immigration uh, tenants, and it doesn't have enough border wall. And, and H.R. 2 is going to be completely unacceptable to Democrats. Then you're going to continue to see a strong movement of conservatives stand against everything else that is brought because the border is that important. And frankly, I'm not sure that the the Democrats are not going to force the hand of the Senate eventually because the border is becoming truly an existential threat. I mean, people all over this country are now feeling the pain. Look, uh, the FAA bill that I just filed, we're now housing illegal immigrants in some of the major airports. I mean, major airports uh, up in the Northeast. I mean, uh, this is reaching a crisis proportion, Mark. Let's spend a second on that because it was on my list of things to bring up. Because you can go, last time I flew out of DFW, it it was, there were a bunch of folks in the waiting area with me. And they had like Red Cross blankets and, Mm -hmm. and, and. Cell phones and kids, and then it, it. I mean, but I did. I don't. I didn't want to look at them and go, "Well, what exactly is going on here?" And not presume that they weren't just some other traveling family, just like mine. But there was just something 
something arrive there. And and I, I've talked to some folks in the airport community who said, absolutely, there are folks who are, who are being funneled through DFW uh, who are part of the, the Biden plan to infuse more people into the interior of America and basically send them wherever they wish uh, to court dates that they will never appear at. So listen, that's DFW. You talk about O'Hare. You talk about uh, various other big, uh, big blue city uh, airports. What, what exactly is going on in some of those airports? Well, they're housing hundreds of illegal immigrants who weren't properly vetted at the border by the Border Patrol before they were transported. Now they're being housed and unvetted uh, in some of our major airports like Atlanta. DFW and Atlanta are two of the busiest airports in our country today, and they're housing illegal immigrants uh, in Boston Logan. I mean, inside terminals in some cases. One case is a bus terminal that sits off the end of an active runway. Uh, how easy would it be able to be to smuggle in a shoulder-fired weapon to a bus terminal sitting at the end of an active runway and take down an airplane with anywhere from 200 to 300 people on it? Uh, this this reeks of danger, Mark. This is the, I, I don't know who thought this up. They need to rethink it and quickly. Well, that that was my next question: is how, how did this happen? I mean, how do you, how do you get to a point where you're you know running to catch your plane in Boston or Chicago and you run across a, a migrant community in Terminal D? Well, uh, the FAA administrator did it, and if you saw an interview with uh, hearing in Congress, he said, "All I have control over is the aeronautical operations of the airport." Well, who who considers security then? Uh, if you're not in charge of it, who does that? Who made the decision? Now, I've, I've written a letter with uh, 36 of my colleagues. Uh, I led the letter with 36 of my colleagues to ask him, under what authority are you putting unvetted illegal immigrants into our most secure areas for the traveling public? I mean, we have to go through the magnetometers. We have to take off our shoes. We have to take off our belt. These people have to do nothing. Congressman Keith Self is here. Uh, in taking a look at the, the HR2 uh, things we were talking about a moment ago, the things that the House has put together, uh, the, the weirdness of the Senate is there wasn't enough uh, of support in the Senate, and, and that resulted in that entire open borders bargain that came through the Senate. As Mitch McConnell steps down, uh, is, or do we need an upgrade in, an upgrade in Senate conservatism? We need a strong conservative to be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. Absolutely. And I go back to our movement in the House. Uh, I led a letter with 13 of my freshman colleagues before we even got uh, sworn in at telling the leadership that we wanted to have some say-so over the budget in our first year. They didn't listen to us. But frankly, we need somebody that will take a stand on conservative principles. Uh, And I think we're showing the way in the House. We've got a group of, of conservatives in the House that won't be intimidated. Uh, we, we're standing for the conservative principles. And frankly, there's a movement across America that I think is going to impact the Senate because people are so frustrated with the Senate and the House, frankly, the leadership in the House, but they're so frustrated. I think that could uh, could show us the way forward to a more conservative uh, a leader in the Senate. And if that happens in November, we will widen our lead in the House. We will reachieve the majority in the Senate. So if indeed we're looking for a conservative upgrade, uh, the first guy to announce his candidacy is our fellow Texan, John Cornyn. Is he the kind of person you're thinking about? I'll let the senators uh, decide that. Uh, I'm in the House, but I will tell you, I will continue to advocate on every platform I have 
for a more conservative uh, leader in the in the in the in the Senate. I will tell you uh, here, I see an outpouring of conservatives and support from my race. Uh, I, I, I so appreciate Trump's endorsement, Cruz's endorsement, Jim Jordan's endorsement. Jim Jordan is the second most popular Republican in the, in the country. So that's the kind of person I'm looking for to lead the Senate. Those those three names. Then uh, as as Biden and Trump both come off the border, uh, I, I don't know if we I'm, I'm asking everybody this just to get their thoughts. And it may change from February to March to April to May. Uh, Trump will be on the ballot for us. Uh, will Biden be on the ballot for the Democrats? Will, will he last to November? And I don't mean on That's, the planet. I'm not talking about he's going to die. I don't know what he wants. But will will there, will something happen where somebody else is the Democrat nominee? I think the consensus is that uh, Biden will be on the ballot. Uh, Jill will have to be dragged out of the House, uh, the White House, by her hair with her fingernails digging rivers in the concrete. So um, I, I believe he will be the nominee. The only chance they have now, Mark, is uh, is the convention. If they're going to make a change, it would have to be at the convention, and I just don't see it happening. But uh, stand by, get your popcorn out because yes. that's going to be. <laughs> no, no matter what happens, the the drama will be uh, will be high. Congressman Keith South Texas District Three, thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. Have a good weekend. We always appreciate you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, you betcha. That's Keith South, Mark Davis, eight forty eight. As Reagan sought reelection. 1984. Brit Nick Kershaw. Love this record. Wouldn't it be good? The young man is 66 today. Wouldn't it be good if we could get rid of Dade Phelan in the Texas House? That's up to Texas 21 down Beaumont Way. If David Covey can beat him, wouldn't that be something? Oh, my gosh. Uh, That would be to the uh, chagrin of Glenn Rogers, your current incumbent in 60 out west of Fort Worth. I was doing a little Q&A, playing some of that that Phil Prezan did. Here's the end of that uh, as Phil asked really good questions of incumbent Glenn Rogers, challenged by Mike Olcott. uh, Sort of about the overview of the, the, a battle over the, te- the direction of the Texas House. I think we're at a crossroads. There, within the Republican Party, there's two parties within the party. Mm-hmm. Sure is. There's the party that um, that is controlled by Wilson Dunn. And, and- <laughs> what? This is such a slam. If you're a conservative, if you're going to vote for Mike Olcott, if you're if you think Dade Phelan is a snake, if you don't want casino gambling in Texas, if you do want school choice, you're you're ju- you're, you're just a, a flunky for for, for these boogeyman uh, billionaires. Golly Moses, what an insult! There are organizations, and there's and there's the party that's not controlled. I'm yeah. in the latter. Yeah, really. But but who are you controlled by? Uh, and listen, I'm not going to say that that because Glenn is an honorable guy in a lot of different ways and has been around enough that I'm not going to tag him with uh, with with being a, a Dade feeling flunky. But there are plenty of them. I, I can't be controlled. I will not be controlled by anybody but the people in my district. That's who I ran to to uh, take care of. And really, well, you, the people in your district didn't want Ken Paxton impeached. Republicans in your district don't want casino gambling. Republicans of your district don't like Dade Phelan. So really, 
present, and I will continue to do so. I just don't, I just don't succumb to that kind of pressure, and I've mm-hmm. taken a lot of heat over it uh, on on both the Paxton issue and the school voucher issue. Yeah, that's because conservatives in your district wanted it. I also sat down with the challenger, Mike Alcock. His endorsements: Governor Greg Abbott, Senator Ted Cruz, Attorney General Ken Paxton, Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller, and a big one just last week, former President Donald Trump. Here's part of our conversation. First basic question of what do you think this race is about? I think it's about uh, true reflection of representing the conservative values of this district. I think uh, I'm, I feel blessed to live in probably one of the most conservative districts in the state of Texas. And I think we, uh, the voters here, deserve true representation that reflect their values. Boom. So tell me more about that. What is Representative Rogers doing that's not reflecting conservative he's, values? He's voting with the Democrats far too often. Um, he joined the Democrats to impeach one of the most conservative and effective attorney generals in Texas. Uh, He supports um, awarding Democrat chairs uh, to very powerful committees. And even despite the fact that more than 90 percent of Republican primary voters are against that. And so I don't think he's actually listening to the voters what they want. The Paxton vote is a big deal, in your opinion. It is. It is. And I think it's Primarily because of the process in which it took place. Um, I think it's widely known that Speaker Dave Phelan uh, wanted his Republican caucus to take that vote and to impeach Paxton. And I think uh, the sad thing is that many of those Republicans, I believe, voted to impeach Paxton because they knew Speaker Dave Phelan wanted them to. Precisely. All righty. The choice is yours. Two days to deliver that choice. One of them is today. The other one is Election Day on the 5th. All right, two hours down, one to go. 866-660-5759. Let's go to some calls in the 9 o'clock hour. Let's also talk to a woman who's made a, a, a the latest border documentary that's a good thing to see. That's next, and you're thereafter on our 9 o'clock hour, Mark Davis, 858.